0: Welcome to the Strength and Health Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Shetler, and in this episode, I speak with vegan powerlifter, Doug Tice. All right, we're recording. Doug, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks. Uh, nice to be here, I suppose.
0: Again. Again. <laughs> so for everybody listening, Doug and I recorded this epically long rant slash podcast a couple weeks ago that ended up being uh, just north of two, two and a half hours. And I found out that I couldn't use a file that big on my podcast. So I said, all right, buddy, we got to do this again. <laughs> so we're going to try to try to condense things here while still getting the same quality of uh, rant uh, that we did last time. So uh, Doug, I'm, I'm I'm here with my friend Doug. Uh, the angry vegan for you fans of his, you three fans of his on Instagram, <laughs> the guy with the excellent, excellent taste in matching socks. Why don't you go ahead and, uh, introduce yourself for the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do.
1: All right. So like, uh, you just said, I'm Doug, the angry vegan, um, I for work uh right now I actually do HVAC maintenance. Um I live here in Arizona, so uh job security is really good in that. Um, I'm a veteran of the US Navy, uh just like uh your dear leader host here. <laughs> and uh uh on Instagram I'm Doug the Angry Vegan because I am Um, I just kind of put it out there as uh, I was called Angry Doug long before I was ever vegan. So it just kind of naturally became a continuation of uh, a short sentence, a short phrase to accurately describe who I am. So I'm on there. I put rants and just, you know, whatever nonsense I kind of comes out of my jumbled up head sometimes. And uh, you can go there for fashion tips. Um, you know, I'm a pretty fashionable guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of the cool kids, as it were.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, so working in HVAC in Arizona, uh, job security because they need AC in Arizona, but it's also got to be hot as, uh, <laughs> hot as hell doing that, huh?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hot as hell. It's dangerous work. It's physical work um and uh you know on on that topic we talked about it a little bit last time might as well touch on it now i really think the trades are uh, if i was a young person these days you know i would skip college altogether and just apprentice apprentice under a trade you know you'll get paid shit to do the apprentice but you know what you're getting paid you're not paying to learn a, a skill right and, yeah. uh, you know, we don't have enough people in, in the trades. We don't have enough plumbers. We don't have enough, uh, HVAC techs. Uh, we don't have enough general maintenance people to go around. So I really think the trades are the best way to go instead of, you know, going into debt for college. And, you know, if you have a particular skill that you want to learn and college is the way to do that, like you want to be a doctor or a physical therapist or nurse, you know, physical therapist assistant, that's one thing. But if you're just going to get you know, a poli sci basket weaving unicorn blowing shit. I don't know. Like oh yeah. But oh before we go on, this is like not for kids. If you don't want to hear yeah. cursing, like just stop, because that's not gonna fucking happen. You know? Like I I can keep a lid on it for work, but uh if I'm not getting paid, then you know, I'm fucking cursing. It's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, which which is a good reminder that I'll have to put the uh put the E uh <laughs> notice on the uh on the podcast when I post it
1: yeah please don't forget that yeah that's important and if listeners if you're offended by um words then I'm fucking sorry that you are such a soft goddamn (laughs) fucking person that me using certain muscles to change the you know make words with my voice um you know (laughs) so I don't know what you do with your daily life that you're so fucking pampered and Kept away from everything, you know, not conforming to your soft worldview.
0: There there you go. All
1: right. Yeah. Doug, the angry vegan.
0: With that kind of introduction, (laughs) why don't we go ahead and uh, get into the first set of questions? So uh, (laughs) how is it you got into powerlifting?
1: All right. So powerlifting, um, I think powerlifting is just the sport that really fucked up people get into. Um, I haven't met emotionally stable happy, healthy power lifter since I've been in the sport. So, um, I started off lifting weights when I was younger because, you know, the, the same story that most of us in the nineties went through a small kid got bullied and, you know, whatever, and growing up on Hulk Hogan and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and John Claude Van Damme, muscles was what you wanted. So I did bodybuilding for a couple of years, joined the Navy, diet wasn't going to happen when I was, you know, doing that. So eventually I got into powerlifting because I just discovered, wow, I really like lifting the weights and I like just, I like being able to say, you know, November of this year I'm squatting, benching, deadlifting this much and November of next year, I'm going to be squatting, benching, deadlifting this much, maybe not deadlifting because I don't I don't really give a shit about that, but I'm going to be squatting and benching this much and deadlifting the same. As long as I'm the same, you know, who gives a shit? Um, But, uh, and that's kind of what led me to powerlifting. Um, As far as my, my best lifts um, in multiply, my best competitions lifts are uh, 672, um, 451, and 535 i think 535 is the kilo equivalent um right 535
0: doesn't that yeah something like yeah i, I it's, dude, it's I, like I, I
1: 534 get... or 530 i don't know something like that
0: i mean we we i don't know i guess some gyms have the kilo plates nowadays and stuff but i mean it's like you know most of the gyms have the have the 45s and the 25s i mean why can't we just use those in the meets you know why do we have to act like we're conforming to some, you know, international standard than when these federations have their world meets like one person from Canada shows up or something like that, you know?
1: Right, right. And yeah, it's just uh I would prefer that everything was in freedom units, you know? That's <laughs> what my well my well my thing for, for pounds is like, you know, it's like it's like that same story you always hear when people talk about Oh, when, when, when America went to space, you know, we did all these experiments to make pens work on the paper. Have you heard of this? No, I didn't. Okay, all right. Well, there's this thing that, you know, when we went to space, we spent all this money and technology to figure out how to make pens work in space. Because, you know, the gravity doesn't make the ink flow and all that stuff. Or the absence of gravity doesn't make the, the ink flow in the pen. Okay. And I guess Russians, when they went to space, they just used pencils. <laughs> and when I, when I hear that story, the whole line of logic is like, oh, be more like Russians. And to me, I say, no, fuck you. I don't want to use a fucking pencil. What am I, a fucking fifth grader? No, I want to use a pen. Give me an adult-ass pen. Oh, you got to spend a couple million to get there? Yeah, I want the pen. So it's the same with the, the pounds. You know, fuck your kilos. Because, yeah, do you want to say like, oh, I lifted 150 kilos on the bench press today? No, you want to say I lifted three hundred and something pound. It just sounds fucking cooler. Does sound better? That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, so you know, fuck your Russian pencil. That's what I say. Give me a I, fucking I, pen in space.
0: I, I probably would use the pencil myself, but <laughs> definitely not feelers. So So what uh what what does your training look like, man? How how do you uh you know, cause I know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of programs out there, man. What does uh, your training program look like?
1: Um, I'd say my training program right now is kind of a mix between what Big Iron was doing back in the day and West Side, Somewhere between there. Wow, those are
0: uh, two names. <laughs> the, uh, the new uh, new kind of hip hip crowd of West Coast powerlifting might not know about, or they probably bash without right. knowing anything about it. But uh, yeah. Nice, yeah. uh, nice, nice selection there, man. Two of the two of the most dominant gyms in the history of sport.
1: Yeah, um, um, and I would so, say, yeah, go ahead. No, go, go for it, go for it. I was just going to say, um, West Side, in the fact that I do believe in accommodating resistance, and I do believe in changing your bars, um, and not just doing not definitely not linear per- periodization, um, yeah. but more on the big iron side of things because I don't really. I stopped doing a dedicated day for speed work um, just because I found that as I got stronger, and I've actually gotten a lot stronger this year. Um, I mean, yeah, my best lifts in competition were 451 for the bench, but I'm easily putting up 600 in the bench these days. Um, I just found it better to have a bench, you know, one bench day, one squat day, you know, and deadlift, um, you know, when I feel like it. Um, <laughs> Which so, is never. so
0: so what you're saying? Yeah, I was gonna say. So you're not doing a whole lot
1: of deadlifting right now. No, no, probably once every two weeks.
0: So um, I guess we're not gonna see uh we're not gonna see the oh so trendy sumo deadlift picture as your uh as your your Facebook uh your your, your Facebook profile. Nope, pic, nope there will okay.
1: be nothing associated with the deadlift. How can
0: you call yourself a vegan if you don't have a sumo deadlift picture as your uh, profile? I, I just don't I
1: don't get it. That's true. That's true. Uh, It does make me a bad vegan powerlifter. But being spit, yeah, yeah, so.
0: Listen to Um, me bashing the sumo like I don't pull (laughs) sumo every chance I get, you know?
1: I mean, I pull sumo too, but, you know, it's not, I I don't know, it's just not, when, when you're out in the public and somebody says, oh, you lift, they don't go, hey, how much do you deadlift? They ask how much you bench. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah. Lou
0: Simmons always used to say the name of the, the name of the magazine is Powerlifting USA, not Bench Press USA.
1: Yeah, well, man, and, no. and what,
0: what do you say? The meat doesn't start <laughs> till the bar hits the floor.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll come up with other. I'll come up with another stupid saying to defend the bench press. <laughs>
0: so. Oh, you got a good one, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's bigger than your deadlift, so it's got to be good. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, bigger than my yeah.
0: So you're basically training, you got a dedicated squat day, dedicated bench day, uh, something where you screw around with some back exercises and occasionally deadlifts. So basically are you training three days a week then?
1: Uh, I would say I'm doing the power lifts uh, two to three days a week. And then okay. I'm doing, I, I, and, and also I take from Westside um, a lot of assistance work. A lot. Yeah. I stick to pretty much that 80-20 rule. A lot of assistance work, you know, it's, it's getting in my – and also I, I'm in my gear every time now. Like I put the bench press shirt on. I put my – and I use the Bench Daddy now. I put that on every time I'm benching um, just because I've found that getting out of it and benching raw doesn't really help as much as just staying in that shirt and getting used to that shirt and working through different rep ranges in that shirt. For me personally, um, at least right now, if I had better recuperation, maybe I would maybe I would change that. But for right now, it's working for me and just focusing on outside of the bench press, sure, just building up all the muscles around it. Nice. And let's keep in mind when I say that's what I'm doing now. I'm actually not doing that now because I just came off of a a fairly uh, intensive surgery. But that's what I was doing before. And that's what I'm going to go back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you talk a lot about, uh, you talk a lot about gear, man. Have you always lifted in gear or did you ever, uh, like, did you start raw and then you eventually find your way to gear? How did the, uh, how did the involvement with gear come about? Um, and, and well, for, for those, hang on, hang on. You know, we, we, we probably ought to say cause there are probably a lot of that, that don't understand gear is the bench press shirt, the squat suit and the deadlift suit as well as wrist and knee wraps and powerlifting belts. Uh, that's, that's, kind of how it was when i started lifting and there was no real raw uh back when i had started but nowadays you know you talk about gear and sometimes people look at you you know like you got spiders crawling out your ears
1: yeah well i mean i try not to talk to those people so (laughs) i guess i just don't worry about it like if i look at you know i have a conversation with somebody and they look like that i'm pretty much like oh yeah I'm not talking to you.
0: <laughs> we, we, we would never be friends. So let's just stop right <laughs> now. Yeah,
1: we're done now. But uh, I, so when I first got into it, like you said, raw powerlifting wasn't a thing. You know, yeah, you could go to a meet and compete raw and you could lose pretty substantially. So um, bench press were, shirts were the norm, squat suits. Were the norm. Deadlift suits, eh, you know, it gives you 10 pounds maybe. But uh, my first couple meets were single ply, and then I went multi-ply, and then went raw for a little while just because I didn't have uh, training partners. Um, got pretty banged up. Um, just wasn't fun, you know. Squatting in the 500s when you're used to squatting in the upper 6s and 7s, just it's no fun. And you actually got more hurt, so I started uh yeah, actually, you were you were coaching me when I was in the thick of the raw lifting.: um,
0: That's right, that was a very yeah. stressful time of my life. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, I, I made you work for it, so I gave, <laughs> I gave you life experience that can't be duplicated
0: yeah yeah that's 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 time i'll never get back thanks for that
1: you're you're very welcome it was money it was money well spent on my end
0: so <laughs> well it got you back in gear so i i guess it was a success
1: <laughs> yeah so um yeah my best raw lifts are squat 500 bench i think 330 341 whatever it is and then uh and that's competition um and uh Deadlift, I think five twenty, whatever, whatever that stupid kilo thing is.
0: Wow! So you actually had a deadlift that was higher than your bench at some point.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Look at that. Yeah, that's you know I'm I'm ashamed of that, but you know we we all do things we regret, you know.
0: Well, you know they they do say that people do like to say that the gear you know really helps out the squat and bench, but not so much for the deadlift. And you're, you're you're like a you're like an n of one you know, subject, uh, study to prove that. So that, that, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, all right. So moving on here. Um, have you, uh, have you done any powerlifting competitions like before your, uh, surgery in the, in the recent past, are you planning on getting back into it once you're kind of healed up and ready to start hitting what's, what's the competition uh, schedule looking like for you?
1: Uh, man. Last competition schedule I did last competition I did was in, God, December of 2017. Um, okay. And that was after I'd already been vegan for a couple of years. And I wanted to make sure that I outlifted and out-totaled all of my pre-vegan lifts. In both raw and multiply. Um, and that December 2017 was a multiply competition. Um, and I did. I outtotaled totaled um, my pre-vegan uh, total. So, and, uh, you know, before this injury, I was probably looking at competing around the summer, um, with this injury, I had a discectomy and a fusion on my C three, C four, C five, C six. So, um, depending on how recovery goes for that, um, I'm, I'm basically some, I'm hoping that sometime, um, you know, maybe a year from now, I can be back in the competition game. Um, I do have some specific goals that I want to, uh, accomplish, um, coming up. Um, so the, the how, how well my recovery goes, um, will, will depend on when I compete will depend on how well my recovery goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, you want to be smart about it and make sure that you're, you're progressing and that you don't, don't load too soon. Um, So you, you mentioned vegan a couple times in there. So what, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, people, if they follow you on social media, they know that you're vegan. What was the, uh, what was the reason for going vegan? What led you into that, uh, that diet slash lifestyle?
1: Uh, why vegan? It's purely, um, it's purely ethics based for me. Um, you know, yes, there's some good side effects on the health side. Um, but, I mean, do I really want to be on this fucking earth with you fucking people that much longer? Like that that's – it's that's, that's not like a huge selling point for me. Like, oh, Doug, you're vegan now. You can live till 110 fucking hey, – I'm hating humanity at 36. I can't wait until – see how grumpy and pissed off I am, you know, 72. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a um, – a, you know, so I, I'm vegan – for ethical reasons. Um, and uh, it was a, a video by Dorian Ryder that kind of nudged me that way. Um, I was watching a, a Anderson Silva fight, um, the UFC fighter, and uh, I wanted to see him lose again. So it was the fight where he broke his leg. And uh, was, I clicked on a video of Dorian Ryder's where he basically said, you know, this top-ranked UFC fighter, why did he break his leg if meat, milk, uh, eggs, and dairy and uh, fish are so good for you? And I don't know. I listened to that video, and it just opened up my eyes, and I thought, well, okay, so we don't – it made me think internally like, oh, we don't need this stuff, and it might even be bad for us. Then why the – fuck, are we doing this to the animals? Like, you know, you know, right and wrong in every other aspect of your life kind of guides what you do and don't do. But when it comes to animals, there's this blind spot, you know, and we, we, we hide it with all these different reasons. Oh, we need to, oh, you know, if we don't, you know, they're going to take over the earth. If we, you know, and, uh, it was just kind of a, a moment where I realized, holy shit, you know, I, I've i been lied to um, by the system. You know, I mean, most of my family are great people. You know, most of the people around, in contrast to me, I'm not a great person. For fuck's sakes, don't describe me like that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people out there that are still eating animals is just because you know they were lied to just like i was and it was just this huge moment of like holy shit i've been lied to and up is now down and black is now white and and it was just kind of from that moment on i've been just i'm you know align my actions with my morals as much as possible
0: When you decided to to go vegan at this point you had been uh pretty deep into powerlifting, right? Um. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that that we hear, and I mean, you know, I mean, especially for me, I mean I I was kind of in the same boat, you know, when I went vegan as well. I was I, I'd actually decided to uh stop competing in powerlifting when when I, I switched over. So I, I didn't have that that kind of comparison, you know, like you did. But I think you come up with a lot of the same questions because a lot of the BS that tends to float around the fitness industry regarding things like, you know, protein in particular, you know, and the, the emphasis on getting the protein from animal based products because of the complete amino acid structure and all that nonsense. Um, but you do, and, and maybe not so much nowadays because I think there's a lot more information available, but you tend to, to get this big push about, you know, the, the importance of protein and this, that, and the other. Did you have any uh, trouble or, or have a hard time when you started to eat? Like, because like, you, you essentially went vegan overnight, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I so mean, did, I,
0: How to, did to, you figure it out? I mean, did you have any trouble? Like, you know, when it came to the calories, to the food, or you just like, screw it, man, I'm diving in and I'm just going to eat everything and, and let the dust settle. I mean, how, how did you go about figuring it out?
1: Uh, you know, I, I did, I did mess up a little bit, um, to, you know, to be honest. And I did mess up a little bit. I focused for maybe like the first six months, I focused so heavily on the protein. Um, cause I was, you know, cause that's what you hear. Oh, it's protein. Oh, dude, you're not going to get your protein. Uh. Um, and I focused so heavily on the protein. Um, that I was still counting, you know, my, uh, cause what I did basically to have any success, I have a very high metabolism, um, super high metabolism. Um, I cannot do shit all day and I will still burn about 3,500 calories. So before I went vegan, I always would just kind of count how many grams of protein I had in my head, and I didn't get it from clean sources. So as long as I got over like 200 grams of protein, then I was, you know, I knew I was going to be gaining. But what I ignored when I went vegan, I still shot for that same 200 grams, but I ignored the fact that vegan food is so much less calorically dense. So I wasn't properly tracking my calories so I focused so much on the protein and using so much protein supplements you know vegan protein of course um, that I I didn't take my calories into effect and once I and it was actually um, Robert Cheek's book Shred It that kind of opened up my eyes a little bit when I was reading it and talked about calories and that's when I was like Oh, yeah, duh. And then I started upping my calories and then bam, right back on track, gaining weight. Um, I never lost strength through this whole thing, even if my weight fluctuated. Um, but I did lose weight when I, you know, that first six months when I didn't factor in the fact that vegan food, you know, even if it's ice cream, even if it's vegan junk food, it's so much less calorically dense than its non-vegan version. Um, does 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 that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you know, and that's one of the reasons why it's easy for people to, especially people that eat a whole food, uh, vegan diet, because they the food is so it's nutrient dense, doesn't have a lot of calories, typically really high in fiber. You know, so you you often mm-hmm. see like people that that particularly people that that take more of a healthy approach to their eating they have no issues with losing weight and they can eat, you know, what they would consider to be quite a bit of food, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it is, you know, I had to, um, I had to reel it up my, my game. I started doing, uh, bean shakes with oatmeal. And if it worse came to worse, a, a pint of vegan ice cream at night before I went to bed, like <laughs> coconut oil in my coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, just really, you know, it was, you know, it's a hard life, um, you know, but just, somebody's just got to kick somebody's up gotta
0: the, do it. <laughs> just ways to kind of kick up the calories. And I mean, especially when you're talking, if you've got a naturally high metabolism and then you're throwing some really hard training in there. And then if you're trying to build size and muscle and, and things like that, I mean, calories mm-hmm. are important. And, I, and yeah. I think that's where, you know, and I think, you know, when people talk about, you know, there, there's a lot of myths about you can't be strong and be vegan or vegan's not optimal. And, and it certainly is, but I, I think there's things that you need to do to kind of cover those bases, and a lot of it centers around the caloric density because that that probably is the biggest challenge for people that are trying to put on size uh, and strength following a, a plant-based diet. It's going to be tough to do it on spinach salads and and you know beans and rice alone. You know, I mean sometimes you do need to to hammer in some more fat and some more calorically dense foods. But you know, on the flip side too. Nobody gets into powerlifting and extreme strength sports because they're looking to improve their health. You know that they're they're doing it because they want to they want to push their body to the limit and see what it's capable of and see how much weight they can lift. So, you know, there's 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 a little deal with the devil you got to make when you're going to do stuff like that anyway. So,
1: yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, especially. Another, another factor in my life is, um, you know, I don't go to an office and sit down for like eight hours a day. Like, yeah. you know, by, in addition to high metabolism plus hard training, um, you know, I'm on my feet, I'm lifting stuff, I'm moving stuff, I'm constantly, you know, walking around. Like I hear some people talking about, you know, they, they refuse to take an elevator because, you know, they got to get their steps in. And a little part of my head is like, "Oh, fuck you, you fucking prick! <laughs> like, you are you fucking serious? Like, that's the problem in your life, you know?" Is like, oh, ten thousand know, steps. I, in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't walk around on my feet enough. Oh, fucking, we have a princess <laughs> in the building here. Oh, you know, <laughs> like, you know. So that's you know that's my you know my career field. Um, you know, b- you know, before I got into HVAC, I was doing motorcycle mechanic stuff. And, um, you know, I spend my free time, uh, volunteering at animal sanctuaries, um, volunteering, not fucking selfie time.
0: <laughs> Selfies with the animals. Uh, so, yeah. so are you implying that, that, uh, when, when somebody talks about, uh, activism, that there's actually action going on there you know a- activism might imply some action and not just posing for a selfie with your arm around a pig's neck and and you know posting it all <laughs> over social media right I mean, you're out there right. actually doing work to maybe uh maybe help uh help build some things around the sanctuary maybe help do some some of the physical labor no stop you're, you're killing me here
1: yeah yeah exactly no uh yeah i mean i feel like you know we, we've talked a little bit about where non-vegans mess up so let's let's get into where the vegan community not all of them obviously but you know some of them could uh, improve a little bit i think sometimes when vegans go vegan it becomes a game of like oh well going vegan is enough so everything i do as long as i'm vegan i've done enough you know so they go to the sanctuary and take the selfie and You know they don't they don't really go to the sanctuary and help out like they could be, Um, and then pat and which is fine I get if you if volunteering is not your thing you know you know stay away but when you're hashtagging every fucking meal you do like for the animals because I love the animals and you go to the sanctuary and you post just just the selfie you don't do shit else and you're like I'm a great person because I'm vegan for the animals like. Yeah. No, like, you know, give back to the that, animals.
0: That's, that's the problem with the social media. You know, everybody makes it all about them. And so many people use their veganism to promote themselves. And it has little to do with the animals, yet they often do it. And then, And of course, eating a vegan diet has a very positive impact on animal welfare. But you and I both know that two of the biggest hurdles that these sanctuaries have are manpower and money. And if you really, really want to have an impact on the ability for these sanctuaries to function, get your hands dirty, volunteer, help them out or donate money or do both. Because those are the two things that can really make these sanctuaries run. And those people have the people that do this stuff full time have daily struggles. And it's certainly, it is certainly the last thing on their mind is getting on social media and posting and hashtagging away, you know, about all these pictures. They're, they're trying to make this operation run.
1: Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's an, another factor that ties into why why my diet probably isn't, you know, a hundred percent whole food. It, it's all plant-based, but you know, not a hundred percent whole food because, you know, I do, because I am in it for the animals, um, I do feel like I have 30 years of eating animals to, to make up for. And, you know, I, you can't, you know, once you realize how bad the animals have it and kind of just the system that you fed into, yeah. um, you know, there, I, I do feel at least on my own, I, there's a moral obligation for me to, to, to give back, um, and you know, I can never take back everything I did, but you know, if I can go and clean up some poop for a pig that's at a farm sanctuary and make their life, you know, twitch out their hay, um, if I make their life a little bit more tolerable, maybe, maybe that's, you know, my act of contrition. Oh, well, and it's,
0: uh, it is, it's, it's moving in the right direction. You know, you can't go back right. and change things that you've done, but you can't, right. You can change, uh, you know, the, the direction you go in the future, and you know, I mean, I think that's that's ultimately, you know, somebody that that really cares about animal welfare. It's just about giving back in whatever capacity you can, and not everybody has the opportunity uh, or or the ability to to volunteer regular and stuff like that. And I get it, but if you're a workaholic, you can take some of that money that you're making and donate it to these sanctuaries and to these rescues and help support the causes in other ways. If you cannot commit, you know, a lot of your free time to it, there's, there's always things, you know, that can help, um, and to help spread awareness and to, and to help these, these organizations run and, uh, and even just, you know, taking shit that you have around your house, you know, old towels and blankets. And I mean, they're, they're, always looking for things, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. i right. I would agree with that sentiment, um, but, but, you know, as well as I do, it, it's, it's always a lot of the people that, you know, they have free time, you know what I mean? So, like, they've got plenty I've, of free time because they, they live plenty on social of free media. Time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah like,
0: yeah, they, they, they've got enough free time to go to the sanctuary and put on the little, the little uh, uh, boots, you know, the little, little rubber boots so they could walk around and not worry about stepping on crap so that they can squat down and you know make sure their their hair and and makeup and their their biceps and their (laughs) their their spaghetti string tank tops all perfect so they can flex while they're posing with the animal you know so they can hashtag their their you know vegan this that and the other but they're not out there you know with gloves on scooping the shit so they've got the time to do it but you know whatever you know it's it's uh (laughs) yeah we're we're getting into that territory again um So let's see. Uh, Talking a little bit about uh, myths about being vegan and being strong, you made a comment earlier that you've exceeded, I think, both raw lifts and equipped lifts uh, since you've been vegan. You've exceeded the the best lifts that you put up when you were non-vegan. So, you know, one of the big things about this whole idea and like i said i think it's changing you know i mean we're we're getting more proof more evidence out there and stuff like that but one of the things is that the vegan diet is not optimal for athletic performance and you also hear a lot of stuff about how well he built his he built his physique or he built his strength eating you know uh, an omnivorous diet and then that just carried over to when he went vegan but i see a lot of uh a, a, a lot of flaws with that statement because if the vegan diet is good enough for you to maintain the muscle mass after you built it with an omnivorous diet, if it's good enough for you to maintain the strength that you built with an omnivorous diet, then it's certainly good enough to build it because you can't maintain, you know, if it's good enough to maintain the strength, it's got to be good enough to bring it up because if it wasn't, you'd be regressing the minute you went to a plant based diet. And I know plenty of people who started bodybuilding after they became vegan. I know plenty of people who started training after they became vegan and they've got stronger, they've gotten bigger, they've gotten leaner. And you, after switching to a plant-based diet, you exceeded your best lifts in the raw and the equipped divisions. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I exceeded all the lifts and I'm also older and more, you know, Worn down from years of uh, powerlifting, and I'm also doing, um, you know, a more physical career. Uh, when I was uh, when I was at my peak, while I was not vegan, I was in the military, which I was in the Navy. I still ran PT. I was still fairly active, but my job itself was more computer centric. Um, and now that I'm older and competing, I have more a more physical job, so I'm getting. Stronger, um, despite being older, having more physical activity during the day that doesn't help powerlifting. Like people outside of powerlifting think, like, you know, that oh, like any activity you do is going to help powerlifting. No, 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 that's not the case. Like, that's why the strongest people in the world, you know, are fat as fuck <laughs> for for the <laughs> most part especially in equipped lifting. Like, you know, there's your there's your one-off that are, you know, they look, you know, physically fit, but for the most part it's, you know, the big fat fucks are the one that's the ones that are the strongest. So, with powerlifting, have a, having a physically active job uh, actually is a it doesn't go in your favor in my opinion. I don't know, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the more the more you're expending energy in anything, you know, the more it's competing uh, with your, your hobby, sports or activities. Um, I think there is some overly, you know, says so a, a little bit like overly dramatic paranoia around that. You know, I mean, I, I heard stories, I think Charles Poliquin, when he was still alive, he had talked about how the, the U S Olympic weightlifters that were living at the, uh, the weight or, or the, the Olympic training center, you know, that they're they they're training for the Olympics and stuff. I guess the dining hall was like really close to the weightlifting hall. Like, like, Maybe a few hundred yards or something like that. They would like ride a golf cart over from the weightlifting hall to the dining hall because they were afraid to to do all that extra cardio. You know, walking a few hundred yards because they thought it was going to sap their strength. I think when you get to that level, it's a little bit extreme, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well. certainly, on the flip side, I mean, if you're you know working construction all day, or if you're you know, you're going out and trying to run marathons and things like that. You know, if you're, you're, what you're doing is labor intensive on one hand, you know, I mean, I could see where it could build like work and construction is going to build some, some kind of durability and some usable mm-hmm. strength. Um, but you got to make that, you know, you got to make sure that you're, you're eating enough calorically that you are getting rest when you need it. And maybe that you train, you dial your training back. You know, I mean, I've been getting really into some of the listening to some of the stories from the old time powerlifters, you know, that were coming up in like the seventies and stuff like that as the sport was kind of growing. And a lot of those dudes that were lifting back then were not office workers. You know, they were blue collar, you know, construction types, you know, kind of, kind of roughneck, you know, kind of guys. And what they would do is they would almost train where they had like a mini meet on the weekends. You know, they would do like bench squat and deadlift on Sunday and then they would work their job you know, the rest of the week and then just focus on recovery, you know, maybe do a little bit of some arm work or some accessory work or something like that. But they would they would stack all their big lifts up on Sunday and then just focus on recovery, you know, the rest of the week while they were working. And, and these guys were, you know, I mean, th- these were some big uh, these are some big lifters. You know, they they were hitting they, they they were the world record holders back then, the national record holders, the 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 champions and stuff. So that these weren't people that were just competing, you know, locally. I mean, they were putting, putting up some big, big numbers back then doing that type of stuff.
1: Oh huh, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, I guess I, I brought it up to kind of illustrate that, um, you know, despite getting older, um, cause I went vegan in 2014 And by the end of 2019, I was a lot stronger than I was in 2014. So five years older, um, still got stronger. And, you know, despite having to, you know, be a a little bit more physically active during my work. Um, But for me, I, I think a big part, I think. I think I kind of gravitate towards physical labor now because I'm vegan also, because I, I kind of, I want to be out there and kind of take away any excuse that anybody would have for not going vegan. Like, cause we, we've all heard the stories of the guys with high metabolism and, oh, I can't go vegan cause I, I work a physically active job and, you know, I'm not going to be able to yeah. get enough calories in. So I think I kind of naturally gravitate towards more physically active jobs because, you know, just because I want to be there, i be like, okay, what's 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 your next excuse? Like, oh, you can't be vegan and strong. Okay, well, I can at least anecdotally, I can say, I got stronger even when I was on a vegan diet. So, all right, next. <laughs>
0: and, well, and, there, know, and the next plenty, thing is, there, there's plenty of people. There's plenty of people that that are doing it too. And unfortunately, like a lot of them don't get a lot of uh, publicity. You know, it seems like in the vegan community, the only people that get real publicity are the ones who are More active on social media, and it's that one of the things that drives me nuts. And we're 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 treading on thin ice with this one, but one of the things that drives me nuts is when you see people that are out there, quote unquote, setting or establishing records in one of the myriad of powerlifting federations, and then you see these vegan news sites run with the oh strongest person you know on the planet or this that and, the other. and and it's it's ridiculous because you and I both know that that person is not the strongest person in their state they're not the strongest person in the nation they might have won a powerlifting meet but you and I also know that because of lack of participation at a lot of these meets and the fact that when you multiply the weight classes by the possible divisions by the 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 gender divisions and and uh, the you know police military law enforcement you know firefighting division and the open division and the novice division and the the classic raw and the raw and the equipped and the single ply and the multi-ply. i mean you can literally have i think dave tate said he had counted in a normal powerlifting meet you can have something like 6600 first place awards go out you know and so when you have 20 people 30 people competing at a powerlifting meet Chances are everybody's winning, you know. So y- you see these people get these 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 this praise in these sites as oh the strongest person in their state and this that and the other and it, it's it's very misleading, and it's very untruthful. And I would just have so much more respect for it if they would say Joe Schmo Vegan Powerlifter went to state championships and set a personal record in their bench press and a personal record in their deadlift and a personal record in their total, you know, as opposed to being the strongest person in the state in the country or on the planet because right. it's very misleading and it makes the community look bad for people on the outside looking in because people in the sport know that it's a bunch of BS, you know, what they're saying and what they're claiming. Yet we do actually have people in the powerlifting community who are vegan, who are all time world record holders. And you don't, the, the, these vegan news sites don't make a peep about them. You know, and I'm specifically talking about Cassette Neely, who at the WPO, you know, what, what you might call the Super Bowl of powerlifting uh, this past year, in her weight class, which is the 105-pound weight class. Uh, well, actually, I, I take that back. She's a 105-pound lifter, but this did not have weight classes. They ran on the Gloss-Brenner Coefficient. It was the top 15 women and the top 15 men competing against each other on the Gloss-Brenner Coefficient, and in the women's division, cosette a 105 pound lifter was in first place the entire meet until getting edged out in the final round of deadlifts when a girl uh i think it was tara who pulled an amazing 529 deadlifter so it took her like eight seconds to pull this it was amazing she just stayed with it and it out. it out a beautiful lift but unfortunately a bump cosette into second place but still cosette who's a vegan Wins second place at the WPO and in the process sets the all time, regardless of federation bench press record with a 319 pound bench at 105 pounds and not one peep about her aside from the powerlifting social media. And then an interview that I did with her on my blog, nothing in greatest vegan athletes, nothing in vegan news, nothing in plant-based news, nothing in here she accomplishes an astounding feat of strength by benching over three times body weight,
1: not a peep. Right. Yeah, and yeah, she also got, and you had mentioned it went off the uh, the, the coefficient, um, which I don't, I don't do math, so I'm not going to bring like a calculator to to powerlifting meet. So I, I don't understand it, and I refuse to understand how that works. Um, but I do she was 105, and she got an all-time, uh, world record in the bench, right? During that same yep. meet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that says everything you need to know. Like, since the beginning of time till now, she's the strongest bench presser at 105. Yes. All time like, at 105. Yes. Nobody yes. has
0: ever benched more than that. And, right. and like, that. Not, not, not in a certain federation.
1: Right. You know, not not, not a under cross. a specific
0: rule set. The right. all time most weight ever lifted. In that right. weight class. And mm-hmm. not a peep. Yes. Not yeah. a peep about her. That's yeah. just astounding it, to me.
1: Well, it's, you know, I feel like before, so before there was just Powerlifting USA. And, you know, there used to be journalists that had to go out and find, like, the strongest athletes. And interview yeah. the strongest athletes. And with social media, you know, social media has a lot of pluses, you know. A lot of pluses. Um, and, it, you know. But one of the bad things is if you're not really either comfortable promoting yourself, or you just don't want to, or you just don't, you just don't, you know, you have a lot of humbleness in you, um, then you don't get seen. Um, and and unfortunately, I, I wish that people, and this is specifically in powerlifting, I wish that people were a little bit more, uh, you know, truthful about accomplishments, uh, like you were saying yeah. earlier. Um, like for me, I, I actually I got best lifter at a at a meet out here in Arizona. Um trust me, when I, I got interviewed for vegan health and fitness, trust me, I made it explicitly clear like this does not make me the strongest person in Arizona. Like
0: that you means know, you got, won yes. on the coefficient at that meet, you had the best per pound body weight total. And that's what yes. it means. And that's and you're at the mercy of who shows up that day.
1: Yes, exactly. And you know, there were people that showed up, so it wasn't like a one of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but still, that does not make me anywhere close to the strongest person in in Arizona. Um, you know, and I think I even said it in that in that article. I said, you know, I'm not a you know, a, reg- a re- you know, I'm not a regional champion. I said I'm not a national champion or even a regional champion. But what I am is, as a normal guy who went vegan and still got stronger. And I can prove that with numbers. So, and, and I think that, I think if more people in the, if more people did that and took that approach, um, we would get more respect in the mainstream strength For community sure. because what I, I don't give a flying fuck what the vegan community thinks because they're already vegan you know what right. i mean yeah. like i'm trying to sell veganism to the mainstream community and you know with my people you know the blue collar you know the motorcycle riding you know beer drinking you know powerlifters and the only way you're going to do that is through authenticity you know and showing results but but showing real results you yeah. know what i mean not not just okay i would you know well, if i would have gone to...
0: it's it's honest and it doesn't allow somebody to debate or argue
1: right exactly um you know like you know the, you can't really argue like yes i've gotten stronger over the last 6 years well up and until you I did got it, my, yeah. and
0: you did it and you did eat in a plant-based diet you know yes. those are the facts those yes. are the facts and you can't debate yes. that but right. now if you start saying, well, I'm a powerlifting champion. Okay, now you're setting these qualifications. Right. And, and ultimately, man, I mean, I don't know how you are, but I, th- I think there's, there's only three records that matter. And that's the all-time world record, the all-time national record, and then your personal record. Th- those are the only three records that matter in my book. If it's not an all-time world or national record, and I think we could, you know, make a strong case for equipped and raw. I think there should be separate. There's enough, you know, raw is it's here to stay, and there's some damn good lifters lifting raw. So I think that there should be, you know, it's like comparing high jumping to pole vaulting. They're Mm both both athletes are trying to get over the bar. One's just going a little bit higher because they're using something that allows them to to launch a little bit higher, but they're not competing against each other but they're right. both they both have the same goal. And that's how I look at raw. I, I don't look at it as raw versus equipped because y- you don't lift against each other, you know? Right. It's a stupid it's a stupid argument. So I I do think that there should be separate separate records kept for raw lifting and, and there is, you know, nowadays we see that. Um but it's the all-time world record, the all-time national record, and then your personal record. And personal records are awesome and they should be celebrated and people should be proud of them, but I just hate when you see these people trying to pass off oh i'm a national champion you know i am a world champion of what of pennsylvania you know it's like how many world <laughs> how, how how many people in the world were at that meet you compete at that worlds you competed at nobody you know i mean it is it's like come on you know and, and that's where I, I i think there should be a case made just for the all-time records because you're talking about a sport that has something like 27 federations and if right. when you go on instagram one of my old lifters craig you know, he said, man, you get on Instagram and at every lifter is a damn record holder. Right. And, and that, you know, and, and that's why it's hard to take the sport seriously, you know.
1: Right. Right. Uh, and then also to talk a little, I'm not sure if we made this part clear, but um, with a Cassette, is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah.
0: Cassette yeah. or Cosette. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, All time world record, meaning like the world like there's nobody <laughs> there's nobody in russia that outbenched her at 105 she is like, at the
0: pinnacle of that right, division that, yeah.
1: yes exactly like you she you know she All could literally the say the 105ers yeah yeah so ever ever yeah in the history so in the
0: history, no 105er has done 319 or more except for her
1: right yeah so
0: i mean that's amazing and and, right. and we haven't seen Like I said, aside from my blog interview that I did with her, and uh, aside from some chatter, you know, just on the WPO and and the West Side Film, you know, all these people that really had a hand in promoting the WPO, those are the those are the only people you see talking about it, you know. And it's like here we have somebody from our own community who's accomplished. The greatest feat of strength in the bench press, in her weight class, in the history of the sport, all time, regardless of federations, <laughs> and not a yeah. people about her. It's, right. it's just it's, it's mind-blowing. Well, hey, look, man, we're, uh, we're closing in on our first hour on this deal. So we're going to run to a short break right now while I change this recording out, and we will be back in a second. All right, we're back with uh, Doug the Anger Vegan. When we uh, left off at the break, we were talking about some of the myths surrounding vegan athletes, vegan strength athletes in particular. And I think one of the things that we ought to touch on, you know, that, that drives me nuts, are some of the things. And it's not just about whether or not the vegan diet is is optimal or not, but you always hear, you often hear like arguments about a vegan athlete, you know, it's, it's like they, they, the ones that excel, they do so not because of the vegan diet, you know? So like when an athlete fails, it's because of their vegan diet, but when they excel, it's not because of the diet. And, and that kind of drives me crazy. Cause that's a lot of the stuff you hear out of things like the Joe Rogan uh, podcast and things like that, which I, I'm actually a, a fan of the show. I think he does a good show, but I think when it comes to to veganism and stuff like that. He's, he's so w- way so far off the mark. Like when he had Kip and Keegan on, uh, the directors of the cowspiracy, uh, documentary, they started talking about the vegan diet and he made a comment about how you can do it, but it's not optimal. And they had brought up a vegan UFC fighter at the time. He's no longer with the UFC. He's retired, but, uh, Mac Danzig, who is an ethical vegan and he was vegan his entire fighting career. And he had a a really solid career in the UFC actually got into the UFC by winning season six of the ultimate fighter. Uh, but Joe made the point that he never, he goes, yeah, but he never won a belt. You know, he never won a UFC title. And it's like, if you just think about that comment for one minute, so he's implying Mac never won a belt in the UFC because of his vegan diet. Well, what about all the meat eaters he beat? Who'd never won the title either? Did they not win the title because of their diet? No. Mac was the better fighter when they fought and when Mac lost the other guy was a better fighter. It was about their athletic skill. It's got nothing to do with if they're vegan or not. And I think that's one of the things that that drives me crazy, you know, when when we see the sensationalism around vegan athletes, it gets and I think this is why a lot of people on the outside looking in have such a hard time with this is because these these well-meaning social media news sites, uh, they just, they sensationalize this stuff and they say, Oh, you know, they, they, they give you the feeling that you can only do it as a vegan. And I think that's where a lot of people don't take the athletes very seriously because, you know, it's just not true, you know? And, and, and I think that's one of the things that needs to be presented in a better way is you can compete at the highest level, while eating a vegan diet, you know, you can compete as a plant-based athlete and, and, and be at the top of your chosen sport, you know, and, and when we get this sensationalism from our own community about it, it just makes the, it makes the athletes look bad. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the people on the outside just don't take it that seriously.
1: Yeah. And, and I would add that, you know, I know, a lot of these news sites, you know, they're not specialists in like, they don't understand powerlifting. You know right. what I mean? They don't, they don't know how crazy it is with, you know, 33 different feds and a hundred different classes and a hundred different subclasses and all these different classifications. So I think it's ultimately on the athlete to be honest and be genuine with their accomplishments. Um, because, you know, a new site, they're not going to know, you know, I don't, like, I don't know, uh, I don't know golfing, you know what I mean? So if, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, I'm the best vegan golfer and they can prove like, Oh, maybe they want to, okay, well, Oh, okay. Truth, truthfulness. I don't give a shit about golfing. That's a terrible example. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's a good yeah, analogy but,
0: because, because if, if they want a championship <laughs> and maybe it was in the, the, the masters five division or something like that, but Hey, they won this championship they're technically a champion golfer and they're vegan right. you know now, now you've got a story you can run with and if you don't right. know how to fact check what that person's claiming you it, it can really not turn out well
1: right exactly and people within the golfing community um, are going to call bullshit they're going to call they're going to call bullshit assuming you know they're not busy you know driving on their stupid little golf courses and <laughs> with their damn <laughs> gloves and their khaki pants. But, Maybe it uh, was a bad analogy. <laughs> it was a bad analogy, but but it, and and it takes away when athletes do that, it takes away from you know I, I think when we're looking at vegans and strength athletes, we have two very good examples. We have uh Cossett Neely for powerlifting. Right. And we have Kendrick Ferris.
0: For weightlifting the for only for weightlifting.
1: The only, the only one that male. qualified. Yep. Yes. The, the only, only, male only male that male. qualified. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there was no, if you want to talk champions, like, okay, well, Americans, he was the only one that did. So
0: only U S male weightlifter yes. to qualify for the Olympics in Rio. And I think was he the only one that qualified for London, uh, four years before his life? I don't,
1: I don't, don't know. quote me on that. Yeah. I, I, think yeah, I don't might know about been, that. But yeah, he, just how yeah. sad
0: is our weightlifting community that we can't even send a team with every weight class represented I mean, that's just, that's just well, pathetic when you, well, when you think about it, but you know, I mean the only U S man, and, and it's not like we didn't have a national championship. Right. We did. we did. He yep. was the only one that met the Olympic standard. So out of all those people, yep. out of all those male U S weightlifters that won at the nationals, Kendrick was the only one that met the Olympic standard and qualified to go to Rio and right. he's vegan. So yeah, right. if, if you want to use that, that logic, then. You know, one could say that in order to excel in weightlifting or to make it to the Olympics, you'd have to eat a vegan diet, and that just—if you're an American—that's that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, if you're an American. <laughs> and when you present the stuff like that, it's you're you're opening yourself up to being completely mocked and and shit on by people outside of the community, and right. and that's the problem when these news sites try to promote the accolades of these quote unquote athletes. You know, particularly in powerlifting, and I mean, let's let's use example. You got Joe Schmo, vegan powerlifter, who's a pretty strong guy. You know, and he goes to his local whatever federation, and and he competes at the nationals because every every federation has a nationals event, and there's only zero people in his division. It's all by himself, and he wins his division. You know, maybe he's a he's a 242 lifter, and he wins the 242 raw with raps class and and suddenly he's a national champion power lifter and let's say maybe he squatted 525 pounds and he benched 275 pounds and he deadlifted 485 pounds okay well he's a national champion with those lifts nah i don't think so you know and, and that's the problem he's going to get on, the, on social media, hey, I won the Nationals, I'm a vegan powerlifter, you know, blah, blah, I'm a national champion, you know, I've got national records, this, that, and the other, and then you're going to look at that national record. As a 242, he's got a national record of 525 in the squat, yet you look at another federation that's way more competitive, and that person might have an 1,120-pound squat at 242. And it's like, how can you even draw a comparison, you know, there? And, and, right. and that's the thing that makes it look bad. Whereas if he would have said, hey, I went to my local federations national championships. I was the only person in my division. I won first by default, but I hit a personal record in the squat. I hit a personal record in the bench and I didn't quite get a personal record in the deadlift, but I knew what I needed to get a PR total. So I pulled that and I ended up with a PR total. So I walked away with three PRs and you know, I, I've, I'm definitely getting stronger as a, as a vegan. There's nothing to argue and debate there. The guy listed facts and he showed that he's getting stronger weight plant-based diet. That's the way these people need to go about doing it because when they try to claim all these records and championships, this and that and the other, that's why you got people like Robert Oberst who just kind of laugh at it when they're on the Joe Rogan podcast and say, you know, well, there's these different like, you know, levels of competitions and this, that and the other and some people win backyard meets. And he wasn't implying that Patrick competes in a backyard. That's just what you call these small meets, you know, these small local meets. They call them backyard meets. It's not meets right. saying they're not legitimate meets. I mean, you've been around the sport. He just meant he didn't do it at the big stage, you know. Right. And, and, right. and that's why it's so so frustrating, you know, when you hear these people throw out terms like the strongest, the this and that and the other. I mean, it's, you know, they just don't qualify those statements well.
1: Right. Right. And I would completely agree with that. And to, to be honest, that's a problem with powerlifting and strength sports in general, not just yeah. the vegan community. No, right? no. However, I get more pissed off when it's within the vegan community because veganism is too important to bring your own fucking ego into it. Yeah. If you're going to be saying if you're going to be bringing vegan into it, you know, and for the animals into it, it needs to be genuine because when you take away from it. You know, it, 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 it's not, it takes away, it potentially takes away from the animals. If you're not honest about something or you portray, you know, maybe a lying by, uh, what is it called? When you lie about something, just because lying by omission, Yeah. when you leave out information.
0: Yeah. You change the details to fit, fit the narrative that you're trying to create.
1: Yes. Then I feel like it hurts the animals. Because somebody who was maybe open to it, and maybe somebody like me before I went vegan, I was the biggest fucking troll you would ever meet in your life. I mean, I would, if you were like, hey, Doug, uh, you know, you should probably go vegan, I would have pointed at you, laughed, and called you every name <laughs> in the book. And I would have been on the floor laughing while I was pointing at you. And coming up with just, I mean, just, you know, my my stereotypical 80s bully laugh. So, you know, cue, uh, you know, sweep the leg from Karate Kid. (laughs) But, uh, you know, people like that will see that and, you know, they'll see right through it and go, oh, you stupid vegan diet. Ah, Look at this guy claiming to be this or this girl claiming to be this, claiming to be that. Whereas, you know, if we promoted, you know, the cassettes and, and the Kendricks, there's no arguing with that. Like, oh, wait, he was the only one that qualified in the Olympics. Oh, shit. OK. Uh, and Oh, wait, she's a world all time world record bench holder at 105. Oh, OK. Like the, the, the message of veganism is too important. To to filter out and you know lying by omission and just what I think just my opinion it is no
0: it just goes back to people just need to be honest with what they're accomplishing and, and I I even think these people outside the vegan community you know people in the strength community and stuff like that if they saw a lifter who was vegan and they were being honest and not trying to claim things, you know, records and and titles and stuff like that, and say that they're the best in the world or whatever, if they were just honest and they say, Hey, look, I, 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 am a power lifter who went vegan. And when, when I, I, I started vegan, my squat was at 315, and now I'm at five and a quarter, you know, and I keep getting stronger, you know, and I've been doing Mm -hmm. it on a plant-based diet. I think there'd be respect there. I think they'd say, well, damn, you know, that guy's making it work. That girl's making it work. Can't argue with that. Good for them. You know, keep it up. And that that now now you've got the potential for a conversation. You know, right. But if you you know now you 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 you, you built a bridge, not a wall, so to speak. Now mm-hmm. that person may be open to hey, how did you do it? You know that that that's really interesting. You know, I, I that, that's wow. You put you put. You put 200 pounds on your lift. You know, how'd, how'd you do it? You know, what are you eating? How are you getting your protein? And now you got a conversation. But if that person's like, I'm a national champion because I, I won, you know, the, the, the WNBC, FTC, you know, Masters 3, submaster, novice, open, raw, class, equipped, police, military, law enforcement, <laughs> firefighter division, and I'm the national champion, they're just going to say, you're full of shit. Yeah. You know, look at that. He's a vegan and he's full of shit. There you go. You know? So, I mean, if they were just honest, they'd be a completely different story. But anyway, I guess that's a rant for that. Um, so we talked about some of the myths about being being a vegan strength athlete. We talked about why you went vegan, how you got into powerlifting. Um, before we wrap up here, where do you see, uh, I, I'd be curious, where, where, what do you see? where do you see powerlifting going, man? I mean, as a sport... I mean, I, I think I might have, you and I might have been into it around the same time, uh, roughly, uh, because we were kind of getting into it when there was really no raw powerlifting to speak of. It was really when you decided you were going to compete. Are you going to go single ply or are you going to go multiply? You know, I mean, which, are you going to go USAPL or are you going to go APF or, or whatever? You know, I mean, it really wasn't a lot of, a lot of opportunities. Outside of equipped lifting, but we've seen a huge boom in powerlifting. We've seen a lot more participation, which, on some levels, I, I know you and I both find it annoying as hell uh, when you see people with stupid singlets and just—I uh, I don't even want to get into it. But uh, but on the flip side, participation has grown dramatically. We're seeing a lot more women in the sport, which is freaking awesome. Um, you know, when when I would compete back in the day, you, you'd have like one one girl, two girls, maybe at a meet now, most of the meets I I've, I've been to they're easily 40% of the participation and that's awesome. And and I think honestly, um, and I've got a lot of negative views on, on CrossFit as a whole, but I really think that the boom of CrossFit has been one of the best things for powerlifting and weightlifting in the U S because it's getting more people's hands on barbells and they learn of these, these sports and they want to get involved uh, which is cool. Uh, where, where where do you, in your, kind of from your viewpoint, where do you see powerlifting going? I mean, what's the future of powerlifting looking like to you?
1: I think that it's going to stay kind of where it is for the most part. I think that the boom of CrossFit it got a bunch of people in, it got more awareness, and that's that's part CrossFit and part social media, part YouTube, you know. Um, I think that raw will kind of continue where it's at. I think people will get into raw and they'll start to realize like, Oh, I'm not just going to add five pounds to my PR every month. And they'll start getting hurt from linear periodization. Um, and then they'll either drop out or they'll go into single ply or multiply. Um, so I think, I think it'll stay kind of where it's at and you'll have the, you know the people that are just too goddamn stupid to stop and they'll just continue into single ply and multiply like me and you you know yeah. the 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 majority of us that are never going to be you know all-time world record holders that are just too stupid to stop um i think they'll you know you're always going to find us in that division but i i think I, think, I don't think it's ever going to be a mainstream sport. And to be honest, I don't want it to be a mainstream sport. You know, I, I want to I go to a, a meet and kind of feel my people just kind of, you know, rejected by the rest of society and, you know, never really the cool kids. Um, I think that's always kind of going to be what powerlifting is it, 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 when you're talking single ply and multiply. I think – I think Raw is going to stay where it's at. You know, it's the cool thing that everybody's going to do one or two meets and PR a little bit. And then they're going to be it for two years and then kind of move on with family and life and, you know, all that other stuff that's outside of lifting. Um, that's kind of where I see it going.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you, man. I mean, I think, you know, you got to look at the how long people are actually going to be involved with it. Um, There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, I I think early on there's kind of a boom when people are making big progress you know when you're putting 20 40 50 pounds on your lifts, you know and over a period of weeks or even months and you're not you're not just clawing and scratching to get five pounds on your lift, you know, I think that's when it changes Um, I I think people are really excited about it in the early stages um, when they're making big jumps and you know, but when they really have to start working that kind of weeds people out, you know, right. and then the ones who stick with it through the injuries uh, through, you know, the, 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 ones that, that actually end up on some level trading some quality of life, you know, to get better. I mean, when they, when, when you get closer and closer and closer to your potential uh, it becomes harder and harder and harder to make those gains. And the ones that stick with it, you know, those are the ones that usually go on to do some, some really big things. So I, I think at that pro level, there's always it's always going to be such a small percentage um but yeah i mean we've seen some massive growth in what i'd call the recreational or the recreationally competitive level and that's mm-hmm. good you know because it allows it allows the sport to survive you know mm-hmm. the the dues that those people pay that that we pay you know we're the ones that really allow the federations to keep going and allow that small percentage to compete, you know, as professionals and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's I think it's really important on both ends, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, it, it'll be, you know, I, I think we're going to see kind of the, the pendulum swing a little back bit uh, back towards a little bit more uh, involvement in raw lifting or excuse me, in, in equip lifting. Um, you know, I think the WPO coming back is really going to highlight multiply. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that when they start getting into gear, they see some longevity potential there. You know, uh, it certainly I, I, I believe gear helps with longevity and with health, mm-hmm. and with taking yeah. some of the stress off your joints and things like that. And some people say, well, heck, you know, my hips feel pretty good when I squat in the suit. So maybe I'm going to start trying some equipped lift. And I, I know a few lifters myself who have switched from raw to equipped and they're very happy they did. So we'll probably see, you know, participation increase a little bit back into the equipped Division and stuff like that. But I, I don't think we're going to see a massive influx like we did kind of post CrossFit boom for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think just geared lifting, specifically multiply, it's not as, it's not as uh, YouTube friendly as Raw is because. You know, before, what was it, you know, in the heyday, 2005, 2006, around there, um, not everybody had cameras and was at meets, you know, yeah. doing camera. And they even talk about this in West Side Barbell. Once, once cell phone cameras became the norm in YouTube, people would be watching those videos and go, why is he wearing a big fucking diaper? So, yeah. know, is he going to take yeah. a shit? Like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's not as, it's not as uh, Instagram friendly or as Facebook friendly or, you know, YouTube friendly um when whatever else the kids are on i don't even know what what is TikTok. tock what is that bullshit
0: i have no clue some of the like, young kids that train at my gym were talking about it the other day
1: like there was snapchat and now there's TikTok, tock and there's you know gobbledygook or whatever the fuck so else much is going
0: on. so much social media yeah, yeah.
1: so but, but yeah you
0: know, no that that that's a good point you know the the equipped stuff just doesn't really translate over to that as well
1: yeah Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch in person because there's a real sense of danger there. You know, if you've ever seen, I was there when Mark Bell went down with 1100 pounds on his back there, you know, like there's a real sense of danger in Multiply. Like, you know, stuff could go very wrong very quickly. But I I just
0: listen to Donnie Thompson talk about what it's like to squat over a thousand pounds. And when he talked about how you feel your femurs bowing under the weight, oh, man, that just sounds <laughs> like a chill. It's like, wow. yeah, You feel the strongest bone in your body bowing under the yeah. weight. Uh, you know, that, that's it's pretty extreme.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, that it's, it's always going to be – multiply is always going to be a sport of extreme. As people get stronger and, you know, okay, if you're squatting, you know, 1,000 raw – then people are going to be squatting three, 1,300 and multiply. Like it's always, it's always yeah. going to be the extreme.
0: Yeah, it's like the X Games of uh, strength sports, you know.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So I mean, yeah, that's kind of where I think it's going to go. And then also, um, you know, while we're on the topic of the future, I think um, I think that mismatched socks are really going <laughs> to they're going to be the next fashion trend um, and and completely worn out. Busted ass shoes, I think, are really going to be the norm uh, for high fashion yeah. in, in 2020. And if I think, and so. If,
0: and if she actually listens to this, Vanessa Espinoza is rolling her eyes right now, <laughs> probably flipping off her uh, phone or computer screen, whatever medium she's listening to. This going, she's such a fucking moron.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, um, you know, she tells she tells me like, you know, I, I make her a little bit more gay every time we talk you know i got to i got to make sure i keep her budding heterosexuality in check
0: and the so. socks uh, the socks have a lot to do with it the so. socks
1: the socks and the shoes the socks and the shoes i i'm just i'm just waiting for somebody to send me you know a pair of uh, a pair of Matching. shoes cause, yeah. yeah Matt, actually you know what she did buy me socks before she actually did um yeah her and uh, robert like gave me a pair like a like a I, I don't buy socks often enough to know what the fuck they're called when they come in a group. What's that called?
0: A, a pack, pack of socks.
1: A pack of socks. There we go. I refuse to buy socks, all right?
0: Suspiciously, she's moved back to Colorado. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> Suspiciously, yeah. She's yeah. moved back to Colorado. Maybe changed her phone number. But uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Blocked like, you on social media.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just waiting for somebody to, like, because I'm not going to spend over eight dollars on shoes. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So you got your principles, you know, I, man. You stick to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll go to a, I'll go to a, like an animal fundraiser and you know shell out forty bucks like it's nothing. But talk about something that's going to be on shoes? my feet every day. Just refuse. They refuse. You know, duct tape and shoe goo fix a lot of problems.
0: And got your principles, man. It's commitment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, <laughs> so, yeah. So for the future of fashion, I really think that's going to be the big, I'm bringing it back. I got at least one other person
0: yeah, on my, yeah. uh,
1: on my, on my sock team. So
0: the three, the three people that follow you on social media, one of them is wearing mismatched <laughs> socks.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then also a little, little home tip. Um, you can use dental floss to sew together your socks if they start getting worn out. So,
0: all right. So that just yep. ran off the, uh, two people that were listening to this. So uh, (laughs) let's go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. And why don't you tell people where they can uh, find you on, on the social media, if they want to follow the most angry vegan on the planet
1: with the highest fashion sense,
0: highest fashion sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's Doug dot the dot angry dot vegan. And that's on Instagram. Uh, Maybe I'll make a Facebook page. Probably I won't, but, you, know, you never
0: know <laughs> it just puts you in touch with too many people yeah it all puts right. me in
1: touch with too many people and I, I don't i feel like facebook is just more um more trolls i don't know that's been my experience at least more trolls on facebook
0: yeah yeah i definitely find more uh engagement on these topics definitely on instagram myself but all right man well dude Thanks again for doing this. Sorry, we had to uh, to redo it, but you know, technical glitches aside, I think we uh, kind of captured everything we talked/slash ranted about in the first one pretty well here. Uh, I so. Think we'll, get so. This thing, uh, we'll get this thing posted, and and you can share it to the three people that follow you. I'll share it to the three <laughs> people that follow me, and six other people will have heard your steaming pile of bullshit. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for knocking this one out, man. And uh, yeah to everybody listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. <laughs> that was
1: good.